Welcome to Clets Heads, the podcast about bilingual children. My name is Sharon Onsworth, linguist at Radboud University in Nijmegen, the Netherlands, a mother of two bilingual children. In this episode of Clets Heads, we've got our second edition of Hot Off the Press, where I tell you about a piece of recent research asking what matters most, how much input you hear as a bilingual child, or how old you are when you first start learning the language. And we hear from our first Clets Head from the continent of Africa, 30-year-old Riaboth, who tells us why he only dreams in English and how he thinks it's unfair if you don't get taught in your heritage language at school. He also tries to teach me some Tonga. Keep listening to find out more. Hot off the press. In Hot Off the Press, I tell you about a new piece of research on bilingual children. I summarise the most important findings for you and try to translate them into practice. In this episode, I've chosen a piece of research which deals with a subject we've spoken a lot about in Klet's Heads already, namely the role of language input. Now, we know already that language input, how much language children hear, is important and can affect how quickly children learn their two languages, especially in the early years. What we don't know so much about is what happens after this. So when bilingual children get older, when they start school and have been at school for a few years, does variation in how much input children hear in their two languages still matter for older bilingual children? That's what this study is about. It was carried out in Canada by Aileen Thordotter-Deer, who's a professor at McGill University in Montreal. She's also a speech-language therapist, and much of her research is on topics that are directly relevant to clinical practice, and this one is no exception. The study in question deals not only with the role of the amount of input that children hear, but also the timing of the input. Now, what do we mean by timing? This is basically the age at which you first have contact with a language. So some bilingual children come into contact with both or all of their languages from birth or at least very shortly thereafter. For example, children whose parents speak different languages, so they use the one parent, one language strategy, they will come into contact with both of their languages from birth. Um, but also children whose parents, say, speak a different language than the one spoken in the wider community. For example, Arabic parents raising a child in Germany and the child goes to childcare very early on and learns the language of the community, so German, uh, from a very early age too, but outside the home. The technical term we have for this kind of bilingual is simultaneous bilinguals, and I'm going to refer to them here as early bilinguals. Other bilingual children first learn one language at home and then only start with a second when they start preschool or primary school or elementary school or whatever it's called, wherever you are. And the technical term for this kind of bilingual is sequential or successive bilinguals. In the UK, I think they're called EAL children. So English is an additional language. Um, I'm going to call them late bilinguals. So these are children who have contact with their second language around the age of four or older. 
So the first question asked in this study is whether we see differences between these two types of bilingual children after they've been at school for a while. Does timing of input still matter then? And to what extent do these bilingual children reach the same level as their monolingual peers? The second question concerns the amount of input. Now, much of the research on the role of language input and its effect on how quickly children learn their two languages focuses on younger children, usually between the ages of two and five. And these are almost always early simultaneous bilingual children. We don't know to what extent the amount of language input also plays a role when these children get older. This is of practical importance because if it turns out that how much input children hear is still relevant for older children, we need to take this into account when assessing these children, either when they're tested at school or tested as part of a clinical assessment. The participants were children growing up in Montreal, all attending French language school. There were three groups, so monolingual children who heard French at home and at school, And then two groups of bilinguals, so the early bilinguals and the late bilinguals. So the early bilinguals heard French from before age three, often from birth, alongside another language. And the late bilinguals started learning French after the age of three, usually around age four, uh, again, alongside another language. There were children who were six years old and there were also children who were eight years old. Children's knowledge of French was assessed using a number of standardised tests. So these are tests which have been normed. They're usually used to to see how well children perform in relation to the average for their age. I think it's worthwhile pointing out that in many countries, especially those where the educational system remains very monolingual, these language tests are usually normed on monolingual children only. So Aileen Thor-Dottadier looked at three different aspects. Uh, Passive vocabulary, so how many words a child recognises. So in this test, they see four different pictures and have to point to the right picture once they've heard a word. In active vocabulary, it's basically the other way around. So this refers to how many words you know when communicating yourself. So their children saw a picture of an object or an action and they had to describe it with the right word. And finally, what's called word structure. So that's basically regular and irregular plurals like cow, cows, sheep, sheep, regular and irregular verbs like eat, eaten, run, ran. So that's past tense, but also conjugating verbs like uh, eat, eats, comparisons, fast, faster, fastest. So those kinds of aspects of language, what we call morphosyntax. And the parents also had a task. They had to complete a questionnaire with all kinds of questions about language use inside and outside the home. At the moment, the children were tested, but also in the past. And all this information was combined into one score, indicating the percentage of language input that the children had had in French from birth until the age of six or eight. are the main findings then of this study. So first, Thor Dottadier looks at the scores on the tasks in French. 
And what she found was that late bilinguals mostly scored higher than the early bilinguals and the monolinguals higher than the bilinguals. Further analyses revealed that these differences were best accounted for by the amount of input that children had had rather than the timing of that input. In other words, to quote the title of the study, amount trumps timing. And that's in line with previous research looking at this specific topic. So that's the first finding. The second finding was that despite the fact that the late bilinguals had less language input overall, their scores were often as high as the early bilinguals. This is also in line with previous research showing that older children often pick up a language more quickly than younger children, especially at the start. In short then, an early start is not necessary to become a successful bilingual, at least when you look at children whose age of onset, so the age at which they started, was before around age six. Finally, we zoom in on children who had English as their only other language alongside French. And the finding here was that the scores on the different tests were clearly related to the amount of input that children heard on a daily basis. So children who heard French less than 40% of the time scored significantly lower than children whose daily exposure was almost always in French. Children who heard more French than English had comparable scores with the children whose daily exposure was almost only in French. That was for vocabulary. For word structure, there were more differences between the bilingual children depending on how much French they heard. There was also a similar pattern for English. So these children were also tested using the same tests in English. And there too, higher levels of exposure were related to higher scores. So the third finding in this study is that the amount of input children hear remains important as bilingual children get older, even for children who have had contact with both the languages from birth. What can you learn from this study as a parent? An early start in the school language is not necessary to be able to score as well as other bilingual children, as long as you get enough input in the long run. So if at home you speak a language that other than the one used at school, and that's the only language in your house, it's okay to concentrate on this in the early years. In most cases, with a firm basis in the heritage language, children should be able to pick up the school language. If, however, you live in a country where support for bilingual children isn't great, you might want to look for sources of input in that language before your child reaches school age, so that he or she at least has some basics once they start. But in principle, an early start is not necessary to be able to score as well as other bilingual children. An early start is also not a guarantee that a bilingual child will score as well as monolingual peers, at least not for the aspects of language tested in the study I just told you about. So it's important to make sure your child gets as much input as possible in both languages. So you have to try and find the right balance there. It's important to note here that the study I told you about mainly dealt with aspects of language for which you can expect that the amount of language input is going to play an important role. Whether this is also the case to more subtle aspects of language remains unclear. There's other research, including research that I've done myself, that shows that both early and late bilinguals can do just as well as each other and as well as monolinguals. 
What can you learn from this study as a teacher or speech language therapist? Well, it's important to take into account children's language background. Not only the fact that they're bilingual, but try and find out more about how much contact they've had with the school language. This kind of information is necessary in order to better assess whether bilingual children are performing at an appropriate level or whether they need support. For this, you can use the new tool that we've designed in the Cubex project. This is a questionnaire that parents fill in online or with you. You can create a very detailed version or a much less detailed version. And the output from this tool provides you with all kinds of information about children's experience with the school language and their home language, including a measure of the amount of exposure as used in the Canadian study I just told you about. You'll find a link to the Cubex project, as well as all the details about the study by Aileen Thor-Dotter-Deer in the show notes. And there, there's also a link to the paper itself, which is available free online. So if you're interested, you can go and take a look yourself. Let's head off the week. My name is Riyoboth Mukwebo. I come from South Africa. I am 13 years old and I speak English, Tsonga and Afrikaans. English, Tsonga and Afrikaans. Okay, so three languages. So tell me, who do you speak English with? Mainly my friends and family. And uh, Afrikaans? Some of my friends. Some of your friends. And did you learn it from your friends or did you learn it at school? I kind of learned from both. What, so what languages do you use at school? Uh, at school, I mainly use English, but also use Afrikaans sometimes. Yeah. And are the lessons in English and Afrikaans? Yeah, they are. Yes, they are. And the other language, tell me again what it is. Tsonga. Tsonga. So tell me about that. Do you speak that at home? Yes, I speak it at home and home only. Unless some of my friends want to know certain words in Tsonga. But regardless of that, I'd only speak Tsonga to my family. Uh-huh. So I know nothing about that language. So is it a, a language that's spoken by many people in South Africa? Not really. It's not spoken by too many people. No? So have you got, you just told me that your brother is cooking in the background. So yeah. I know you have, you have one brother. Do you have any other brothers or sisters? I have other brothers, but they don't stay with me. They don't stay with you. What language do you speak with your brother? Oh, I speak English with my other brothers. Yeah, and the one the one who's cooking? I speak both English and Tsonga to him. When do you decide which language you speak? Or do you not decide, it just happens? No, it, it just comes at randomly. Like, I don't really decide what language I feel like speaking to or I feel like speaking with him. It just comes out naturally. Yeah? What's he cooking? I'm curious. Oh, I'm pretty sure he's making eggs. Mm. Fried? Yeah, I think it's fried. Sounds good. What's the best thing about being bilingual or trilingual? It's easy to get around with some people because let's say that I am with people who don't speak Tonga or English. I can use a different language like Afrikaans to communicate with them. So being bilingual or trilingual kind of helps you get around more. Yeah. So I I don't know very much about South Africa, but I've heard it's a very multilingual place. So are most of your friends multilingual? Most of them, 
just yeah, bilingual, most of them. Yeah. Which language do you prefer to speak? Uh, I prefer English. Why? It's easier than Afrikaans and Tsonga. That's why. And why, why is it easier? I don't know. I think it's just because, let's say, when I'm playing games, people that speak English, when you watch TV, people that are speaking English. And just in general, English is one of the most spoken languages throughout the globe. So I think maybe that's why I prefer it more. Yeah. So you like gaming then? Yeah, I love gaming. Yeah, what's your favourite game? I'm not sure. I'm kind of biased. It's between Call of Duty Warzone and Fortnite. Okay. And do you play like with friends on it or do you play with people across the world on it? I play with friends and people across the world. Uh-huh. And that's when you speak English, I guess. Yeah. So now you're 13. So when you're older, which languages do you think you'll speak? I feel like I'd mainly be speaking English. Just English. I don't see myself speaking any other languages in the future besides English. And what about no Tonga then? What are you going to speak to your mum? I'm not sure because when it comes to my mum, I speak to her with basically any language. It, it, like same thing goes to my like my mum and brother. Like when I speak yeah. to them, I don't think what language I use as long as I can get the words out. Yeah. So I live in the Netherlands. So I can speak Dutch, and I know Dutch is a little bit like Afrikaans. Yeah, they're both similar. Yeah. So let's start with Afrikaans. Have you got a favourite word in Afrikaans? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, a couple of months back, I used to love swearing in Afrikaans. <laughs> I'm not sure we can have swearing. Yeah, I used to love doing that. And why? why? Yeah, I was being badly influenced at the time. Uh-huh. Does it feel different if you swear in a different language? Yeah, definitely. In what way then? Swearing in Afrikaans and swearing in English. You can be saying the same words, but Afrikaans just sounds a lot more aggressive than English swearing. Okay. Well, maybe have you got something like a, a word that's something typically Afrikaans? Oh, that's typically Afrikaans. Uh, Ugandet. Ugandet? Yeah. Is that Ugandet? How are you? No, that's in Dutch. Uh, <laughs> Afrikaans means, like, how's it going? Ugandet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds a bit like Dutch. And what about Tonga then? Can you teach me something in Tonga? I feel like Gunjani. Gunjan? No, Gunjani. Gunjani. Like, you need to use more of, like, an accent to it. Gunjan. Gunjan. No, you say Gunjan. Gunjani. Gunjani. Yeah, like that. Okay, I got it in the end. What does it mean? Uh, how are you? Ah, so that's the same as Ukhazat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Gunjani. So, do you read many books? I used to read books, but right now, the book that I'm focusing on mainly is my Bible. Yeah, I finished reading most of my other books, so... What language is the Bible in? Oh, the Bible is in English. Okay, and uh, can you read in Afrikaans as well, then? My reading in Afrikaans isn't too good. Nor is it in English. Uh-huh. Tell me about school. Are the classes all in English or Afrikaans? Or how does that work? So in school, we don't have like different classes or periods for other subjects. What we do is that like you go in there and you learn all different subjects in one setting. Uh-huh. So it's not like I, let's say, have a math class and go to a completely other teacher 
to do, let's say, my history and all that, we have one teacher who teaches all the subjects to us. Yeah, and then when it comes to English and Afrikaans, they're two separate subjects. Uh-huh. And when you do, like, history and all those things, like, they're all together, but you still do them, do you do those in English or in Afrikaans? I do them in English. So you can choose? Yes, you can choose. Because you have two different types of books. You get the books where you can have English as your home language and the ones where you can have Afrikaans as your home language. The only main difference between those two is that if I'm doing English home language, my Afrikaans is going to be easier than the kids who are doing Afrikaans as their home language. But other than that, in other books, it's just a direct translation. Uh-huh. Are you then in the same class as the kids who have Afrikaans as the home language? Yeah, we're all in the same class. Wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Because here in the Netherlands, everybody just has Dutch at school, right? You can't, it doesn't matter what language you speak at home. What do you think about that? I feel like that's a bit unfair. Why? No, because personally, I struggle with learning Afrikaans. Yeah. So I can only imagine how hard Dutch would be. So knowing the fact that you don't really have a choice to choose if you want to have Dutch as your home language or additional language seems a little bit unfair towards me. Yeah, I agree. I think you're absolutely right. So tell me, do you dream at night? Sometimes. What language do you dream in? Oh, I dream in English. How do, how do you know? From the dreams that I can currently remember, if I was to speak in those dreams... I'd only speak in English. I oh, know because I wouldn't be in South Africa. I'd be in. I'd be overseas in my dreams. So if I was to speak a different language, nobody would understand me. Uh huh. Do you dream about going somewhere else? Uh yes, many times. Yeah. Have you been? Have you been many different places? I can't say many different places, but I've definitely been to different places. Have you ever been out of South Africa? Uh yes, I have. I once went to Canada, I think it was in 2019, for the December holidays. I went to Canada in 2019. What was that like? It was unbelievable. Because here in South Africa, in South Africa, we don't really have things like snow. And it's quite hot here. So adjusting from like here to Canada, it was so different and unique. And that's what I loved about it. Because again, it was my first time seeing snow. I really, really enjoyed that. Along with the fact that like the temperature was so different, so I enjoyed the experience a lot. Sounds cool. I was in Canada in 2019 too, in the summer. It's a great place, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Have you got pets? No. If you had one, though, what language would you speak to them? English for sure. Yeah? Yeah. So English is definitely your preferred language, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are there any bad things about being multilingual? I mean, I have some of my friends at school come to me and then they start asking me random words in my language. It can get irritating sometimes, but it's not too big of a problem. No? Do you ever find yourself looking for the right word? or? Yeah, mainly Afrikaans. Yeah. Some people think that bilingual or multilingual children are smarter than children who can only speak one language. What do you think? I mean, I do better than most of my class at school, so... Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Because there are some kids in my class who are also trilingual, but they're doing bad, like really, really bad. Mm. I'm not sure. I feel like it's half and half Yeah. when it comes to them. Yeah. Does it help you in any way, being multilingual? Not really. Because, again, let's say, like, when I first started doing, like, school, 
Oh, what happened is not when I first started. I think in fifth grade or seventh. No, last year. Yeah. Last year at school. What happened is that I started doing, I started to do Afrikaans again. And because I already knew the language and how to speak it, it wasn't too big of a problem anymore. So it helped? Yeah, it helped a lot. Okay. And so it's now Friday afternoon. Are you done with school for the week? I'm done with school for the entire year. You're done with school? Oh, because you've got summer holidays, right? Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. So what are you going to do all day then? I feel like I'm just going to have fun and play games with my friends. Cool. Well, you have fun and play games with your friends. Thank you very much for talking to me. All right, you're welcome. It's nice to hear all about your languages. So tell me, how do I say thank you in Tonga? Thank you. Nakensa. Nakensa. Is that kind of right? Yeah, it's kind of right. Kind of right. That's good. And goodbye? Goodbye. You sure, Anna? You sure, Anna? You sure, Anna? You sure, Anna? Yeah. Okay. Nakensa, Reho. Nish Shona. <laughs> oh, if only we had a, the video on the podcast. I tried my best. Anyway, thank you. You did good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Let's head off the week. Thanks to Reboth for taking part and his mum for helping arrange our chat. That's it for this episode of Klet's Heads, where we learnt that an early start in the school language is not necessary to be able to score as well as other bilingual children, as long as you get enough input in the long run. At the same time, an early start is also not a guarantee that a bilingual child will score as well as monolingual peers, at least when it comes to vocabulary and certain aspects of grammar. Whether we should always be comparing bilingual children to monolingual children is an interesting question in and of itself, but one that we'll leave for another time. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode where I talk to Professor Elisa Debray about learning to read in two languages. And I share with you our third Klet's Heads quick and easy. Until then. If you want to know more about Klet's Heads, go to our website at kletsheadspodcast.org. That's where you'll also find more information about this episode. If you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to Klet's Heads using your favourite podcast app. If you know someone else who might enjoy the podcast, then I'd really appreciate it if you would share it with them. You can do this via the website or in your podcast app. And if you're on social media, we'd love it if you followed us. Our handle is at Klet's Heads. Thanks for listening and until the next time. Or as we say in Dutch, till the volgende keer.